When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, let's start with our predictions and then we'll get into the numbers game because we want to get Adam Sadzinski involved here because I know he's chomping at the bit to make <laughs> this prediction uh, because he has some, some profound words to add. If, uh, if Adam is there and ready to go with his prediction, I think sense may, common sense may prevail this week. <laughs> prediction, what do you think, Adam? Yeah, common sense. And, and look, you know, even if the Bears still had Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, I'd probably still be going with the Dolphins because they're just the better team. I mean, they're so explosive with, you know, you heard in the in the Jalen Johnson cut, two of the top four receivers numbers wise in the in the in the NFL right now. And two has been playing really well with this with all the players they added to him. They just added running back depth too with uh, Jeff Wilson from the 49ers. So it's it. It's probably going to be a long day for the defense. I don't, I would hope that they don't give up 40-plus again like they did against the Cowboys, but the, it could happen again. <laughs> and the, the, I think that the Bears are going to hang around, though, because Miami will is will give up points. They're going to be able to run. I mean, the Bears proved last week they can score against a good defense, and Miami's defense is not as good as Dallas. So I think it's going to be close, kind of high scoring. I th- on, on, on the score website, I said – 30 to 24 Dolphins, I believe. So that's that's what I'm going to go with. I just, you know, I think also I got a weird feeling about an Eddie Jackson pick six when I was driving <laughs> today. Who knows if that happens? But if Eddie Jackson gets a pick six, I think the Bears win. I just, for whatever reason, that was just in my head. But uh, but I, I, I'm i picking the Dolphins. I just, the Bears just don't have the firepower on defense to keep up ultimately is what it's going to come down to. Studs is having visions, David. I know. Eddie Jackson with a pick six. That will be fun if that happens. I can't wait for the reaction to that. It'll be a special segment unto itself. All right. So Studs is picking the Dolphins. I think that is the way most people are leaning, Dan. I'll go with mine. I think the Bears offense, uh, we think Chase Claypool will will play 15 to 20 snaps maybe. Luke Getze was vague on how many, but I think they'll probably try to incorporate him slowly into the offense. Uh, Maybe if they simplify it to the degree that they have, for Justin Fields, it will be easier to pick up for a guy like Clay Poole, who is in his third season. Uh, I think the Bears will score some points this week. I think the offensive momentum might continue against the Dolphins. The Dolphins struggled a little bit against the Lions, so they're not exactly you know, the class of the AFC just yet, but they're going to have a hard time stopping anybody. And I think it's going to be Miami 35, the Bears 27. 
Well, I'm joining the party of the Dolphins getting north of 30, and I've got the Dolphins 31 and the Bears 23. I do agree with you that the Bears' offensive momentum should continue. They're running the ball as well as anyone in the league right now. They're still on pace for that 3,000-yard milestone that we've talked about previously. That's a number they should they should put on their radar, right? Because in a season where you're trying to look for any carrot to chase, that's a good one for this organization to, to, to go and try to chase down. Uh, I just I, I just cannot see a way that they pick themselves up enough to stay in this game and stay competitive given what they're up against uh, defensively. And and we'll see. Maybe Eddie Jackson does come up with that uh, that pick six that Studs, Studs called for. Maybe that's a vision or maybe it's a hallucination. And so we'll, we'll determine that on Sunday afternoon by the lakefront. But yeah, I've got Dolphins 31, Bears 23. So every week, Dan, in the Chicago Tribune, chicagotribune.com, you have a great numbers package that kind of crystallizes things to look for and also is a good way to to kind of evaluate the matchup at certain positions between the organizations and we like to pick apart we three or four numbers and look at them a little closer on this podcast so let's start that today what is your first number my first number is what we've talked about already three or four times on this very episode of this podcast 1688 that is the collective receiving yardage total of Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. Oh, my gosh. They rank first and fourth in the NFL in that category. They also have combined for seven touchdowns. Uh, it's a pretty impressive stat line for those two guys. Here's a comparison. The entire Bears team, that's wide receivers, running backs, and tight ends, have 94 catches for 1,204 yards and seven touchdowns. And so these guys are, are, are topping the Bears or matching them in every single category. Uh, that is going to be a handful. Alan Williams said on Thursday afternoon in Hallis Hall that, that, look, like we understand that Mike McDaniel moves these guys around also. Uh, and so I think his, his phraseology was, you have to find out where Waldo is before every snap. And Waldo, to him, is... A, Tyreek Hill, B, Jalen Waddell. You got to know where they're at and then uh, adjust accordingly. So let's see if they can make that happen. Unbelievable numbers, tremendous challenge. I have two questions. Number one, do you think Jalen Johnson travels with Tyreek Hill no matter where he goes? I know he's raised his hand to do so. I personally would like to see it because I like the ambition and the the audacity that that Jalen Johnson has to, to want that task. I just don't know how you can do it defensively in a way that makes sense with all the other things that the Miami Dolphins do. It just puts a lot of strain on a lot of different other players when you have to move around so frequently, right? Because Tyreek Hill doesn't just line up in one spot. And so now if you're shifting Jalen into the slot, which he's done at times before, he's got to figure out how to play the run from the slot and, and do some other things in there. And there's just a lot of moving parts to it all that are dangerous to play around with if you if you uh truly respect some of their other playmakers, which the Bears certainly do. I'd mix it up without giving away tendencies. I'd try it in different zone defenses. I'd try it in different man defenses, but I would try it on occasion just to keep things guessing. Maybe throw two off a time or two. Maybe he'll throw you the football. The other question, harder to answer because I don't think that you can. It's more of a rhetorical question. Do those two receivers make two a Tungavailoa better and have made him into the uh, uh, kind of quarterback the Dolphins can believe in? Or has he, by taking a step forward this year with the concussion issues and just by improving his accuracy, has he taken advantage of a couple weapons and grown himself? Is it the chicken or the egg discussion? 
my pie chart says 80% star receivers, 20% quarterback growth. That, that's what my eyes tell me. I mean, look, Tua's playing some good football. He's had some really nice games. You go back to week two and the explosion he had against the Ravens. Uh, th- th- there's a lot to like about the way he's playing, but there's also a lot to like about the guys he's able to throw it to. And so I think Justin Fields has to be sitting there saying, boy, I can't wait for the day when I've got a couple dudes, right? And I've got a couple guys that, that, that I can really uh, use in a lot of different ways to, to make opposing defenses feel freaked out and, and tense and strained and trying to figure out where they want to defend first and so yeah i i think it's probably uh four or one <laughs> one or the other if, if that makes sense to you but that, yeah it's a good question well that's a relevant takeaway because every fan at soldier field on sunday and watching at home in the living room or bar room are going to be saying i can't wait till justin fields has guys like that to throw to because then you'll see him arrive okay what's the next number 62 and that's the number of points the Bears have scored in the last two weeks, right? And that, that's a, a total that for, for this organization over the last three or four years has been hard to reach. I went back and looked uh, late in the 2020 season. They scored 110 points in a three-game winning streak. That was the, the, the streak over the Texans, Vikings, and Jaguars that, that ultimately helped the Bears get that number seven seed in the 2020 playoffs, which ultimately I think we would agree was a bad thing for this organization because they decided to keep themselves on the same, uh, the same path, believing that they were still a championship contender, and they weren't, and it delayed the reboot by a year and put them in, in a weird predicament. But hey, 62 points over the last two weeks tells you that the offense has made a lot of growth, considering where they were on October 1st, considering where they are on November 1st, you see growth and you see progress and you see productivity. It's time to keep that going and keep that consistent now in the month of November so that we can we can talk at the end of this month and say, boy, how about two months worth of growth from the Chicago Bears offense? Nine more games of offensive momentum, progress, incremental improvement, if you will. That would be something that a lot of Bears fans would call a positive season. There will be many moral victories, and if the Bears continue to score 31 points a game, there may be a little more real victories too, but people will take that if it means quarterback improvement as well, so that's a good one. All right. So this last series of numbers is roster related. And the first first one of that number is four. And that's the number of guys currently on the Bears 53-man roster or on injured reserve who were first-round picks when they entered the league. They only have four first-round picks. I'll give you, David Haw, the first opportunity to try to name all four of them. If so, you win a uh, sleeve of Hostess Donuts. Okay, so four (laughs) first-round picks the Bears have chosen that are on injured reserve? Not necessarily ones that the Bears have chosen. The four first-round picks that the Bears have either on their 53-man roster or on injured reserve that that entered the league as first-round picks. Alex Leatherwood. Ding. Um, boy, the Riley Reef ding. Um, I think that not, not Michael Scott, uh, not Chase Claypool. Um, <laughs> boy, uh, you're missing an obvious one. Who's the obvious one? Justin Fields. There you go. Ding. Okay. Ding. And then the other one would be not Justin Jones. Who's, who's, who's the fourth one? All right, you don't get your sleeve of Hostess Donuts. The fourth one is Nikhil Harry, right? So those oh, are your yeah. those are your four guys on the roster: Justin Fields, Nikhil Harry, Alex Leatherwood, Riley Reef, who entered the league as first round picks. That's notable this week because they subtracted first round pick Roquan Smith from the roster earlier in the week. That gives them, David, the number of players left in the building that were Ryan Pace guys, right? And remember, Ryan Pace was in this job as recently as as ten months ago at this point. Seventeen. 17 left that have ties to Ryan Pace, which is hard to fathom. One more number for you. I'll let you guess this one. 
how many players currently inside the building here at House Hall played in the double doink game, the infamous playoff game at the end of the 2018 division championship season? Um, that would be, I can uh, offensively, it's uh, <laughs> offensively, David Montgomery wasn't here yet. So it's Cody Whitehair and Eddie Jackson, two. The answer is three. It's Cody Whitehair, Patrick Scales, and DeAndre Houston Carson. Eddie Jackson was on the sideline of that game. But if you recall, Eddie Jackson had an ankle injury and did not play in that double doink game. And so you have three players left who played in the double doink game. That was supposed to be the opening of a lengthy championship window for this organization. Here we are, November 3rd, 2022, and there's only three guys left who played in that game. With due respect to Patrick Manley, I don't know if I count long snappers. They don't come to my mind quickly, okay? (laughs) They are definitely just barely above kickers. But I think they do serve a very important purpose. Three people, that's pretty bad. Eddie Jackson not playing that game. I forgot about that one, but boy, that seems like ages ago. And so the last, just the last thing before we flip this page, because I went through with the the subtraction of Roquan Smith, who was obviously a first round pick who played well, right? But obviously played to a level that he thought deserved higher compensation and the Bears disagreed. You go back through the 21st century of Chicago Bears drafts and you find me the guys, the first round picks that became true studs. And the list may start and end with Brian Urlacher. You could make a case for Tommy Harris. You could come down a tier and, and maybe throw in Kyle Fuller. You could maybe, maybe possibly say Kyle Long. But my goodness, David, we're 22 years into the century, and we are struggling to come up with a list of first-round picks by this organization that have had a true long-term impact. It is staggering. There's obviously Urlacher. Uh, Tommy Harris was pretty good, Dan. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, cut short good. by injury. That's why I said it. it, it that, you know, it's, but it's the it's, points it's, well taken because the last decade has been miserable, miserable. Yeah. And they let Kyle Fuller go, much the way they let Roquan Smith go. And, and Kyle Long came unraveled because of injuries. And uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but Kyle Long had a stretch there where the Bears' best offensive player was a right guard. Right. So that was not a bad tenure for him but that's a that's a really depressing statistic for bears fans bleak look at the roster for sure okay that's a great look at the numbers let's talk about the new addition in our next segment chase claypool <laughs> 